This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year. At the stroke of midnight on that great holiday, gonna have a ball and that ain't all gonna chase the blues away. I'll be bringing in a brand new year, bringing in a brand new year. Gonna have a dance, take a chance of romance while bringing in a brand new year. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order Many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn you went. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask people. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn you wet. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host. With you here, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. So very glad to have you here with me, especially on this January 6th. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you're like me, it's happy, happy Insurrection Day. Except for the fact that I've been saying from the very beginning, it wasn't and it isn't, it never came close to an insurrection. Uh, That's the voice of the left. 
So very sarcastically, today is going to be Happy Insurrection Day. Uh, very, very sarcastically. Uh, you know, I'm good at sarcasm, so we'll go with that. Uh, in fact, uh, I've been speaking sarcasm for so very long, it's practically my native language. All right, so here we are. Uh, for those of you that may be listening to the rebroadcast after the fact, please keep in mind that I am, in fact, doing the show live on January 6th. We are indeed doing the January 6th insurrection melage. It's incredible stuff, incredible stuff. Uh, I, I don't know if... If you're anything like me, I kind of got snowed in today, and, uh, you know, it doesn't take as much snow to snow you in in Tennessee because we don't get as much of it. So uh, the overwhelming majority of people down here are simply not prepared for it when it happens, and so it's much safer to stay home. Unfortunately, uh, over at the day job, they had uh, decided to, to give everybody the ample time to just stay at the house rather than have folks come in and then have to leave, uh, trying to gauge when was the appropriate time for folks to leave and still be able to get home safely. So, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work for a company that, in fact, does put the well-being of its employees at the very front of the line of concerns. And I'm very, very proud to be able to say that, very grateful and thankful to be able to say that. And I hope everyone else that I work with has that same appreciation because it is a big deal. I was speaking with uh, my daughter just a little while ago as she got off from her job that she had to go to today where they were trying to bully their first shift employees into staying late and told anybody that left early or left before they wanted them to, that they, in fact, would be facing disciplinary action. There would be write-ups, and some of them may even be terminated simply because they wanted to be safe, wanted to get home safely. Uh, so, again, when you work for a company and they have your employment, they get to make rules like that. They get to decide uh, when shifts start, when shifts end, and uh, when you should and shouldn't be leaving within reason. I mean, there are labor laws in place that keep them from just doing anything they want, but it is perfectly legitimate for them to say, we need you to work this shift. Uh, the weather doesn't change what we need from you. Uh, get here if you can. Risk your life if you have to. Uh, and there's a lot of places that are well within the rights to do that, whether you think it's wrong or right. So I, again, very, very pleased to be able to say that I work for a company that's not like that. All right, beyond that, that gave me the opportunity to sit at home and listen to all of about five minutes of the media coverage and a few random moments here and there of certain politician speeches before I just had to turn it off. I couldn't. I couldn't listen to it. But, you know, we've been talking about it for a few weeks now, that the upcoming uh, anniversary of the, the darkest day for American democracy. Uh, so we knew it was going to happen. But even knowing what was coming, I still couldn't manage to, to toughen up my skin uh, enough to stand and hear all the ridiculous venom and the lies and the attempts to manipulate you and me, guys. They're trying to manipulate us, the American public. They're trying to make us feel like anybody even remotely associated with someone else who had a family member who thought about possibly voting for Donald Trump at any point in their life that somehow you're an insurrectionist. 
you're trying to overthrow American democracy, which I will remind everyone once again, we don't have a democracy, folks. It's supposed to be a federated constitutional republic. We don't like the idea of a democracy. Even the people on the left do the song and dance where you would not like a direct democracy. What are you talking about, Tim? Well, most of you regular listeners, you already know. I don't even have to say it to you guys. But just in case there's a new listener or just in case there's somebody from the left that's listening in, deciding that now is the time to start working the cancel culture magic uh, towards this show, which, you know, if if they've gotten down to me, then they've taken out a a lot of folks ahead of the line with the bigger reach, obviously. But uh, that being said, in case you're listening, in case you're wondering, what am I talking about? Well, clearly, clearly, we know that there was no insurrection. We know that there was a group of people, uh, various people, amongst the hundreds of people that were there, probably about 20 or so were actually violent. And those people should face serious legal consequences. I, I don't make excuses for that. And everyone else that was there should have had enough sense to not follow those other folks in. I don't care how open the barricades were. You should have said, nope, this is, this is what the left has been waiting for. You know, people like me have been trying to warn you for a while that the left wants us to resort to violence. They do. You've, if you've listened for a long time, you've heard me and uh, Ron have conversations about how the time to stand up and fight is now. It is here. And Ron even talks about occasionally maybe having to make it be physical. And you've heard me make the point that I certainly hope it doesn't come to that. Now, we should be prepared should we have to defend ourselves. And that's generally what Ron is talking about, too, when it comes to the physicality side. Defend yourself, defend your family, defend your friends, defend your neighbors. Do the American thing. Stand up for what's right. That's what we were talking about. But the big lie here isn't what Donald Trump kept saying for months leading up to the act of insurrection. The big lie here is the fact that anybody who supported any policy of Donald Trump, anybody that voted for Donald Trump is a bad person. That's against American democracy. I'm not against it because I don't have to be. We don't have democracy. And the song and dance from the left is they're all about the little guy. They're all about protecting the minorities. They're all about giving a voice to the minorities. And in a true democracy, this is where I was going a minute ago in case you lost track. In a true democracy, the minority never wins. You never stand a chance. And you don't have an opportunity to cobble together a coalition that will be able to outweigh the majority. Because in a true minority, everyone's individual interest will keep them from aligning with others who have different interests. Period. So the majority is always going to win. The question is, What is the majority? If you're talking about one issue over another, it's hard to say. But if you're the Democrats, your song and dance for decades now 
has been that you're a voice for minorities, and now you want to talk about democracy, 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 a system that we're not supposed to have. We have some democratic philosophy intertwined with our functioning republic, but we're not a democracy, and we shouldn't be. Because in a democracy, the minority never has a chance to win an argument, no matter how right they may be. And that's part of why now, once again, the big push to try and silence voices like mine, trying to silence voices like Ron Edwards and Dan Perkins and Ann Ubellis and Don Smith and uh, Rod Eccles and, and, and all of these great folks that you already know. The new push to silence us all is afoot, and they're going to try to use January 6th to cram down everything, every policy they want, to federalize the elections. How many times did we hear that? Talking about how they need to protect election integrity, when in fact the states are trying to do exactly that, and the Democrats are fighting against it, because they don't really want integrity in the election cycle. They just want to be able to manipulate the election so that they can always win. And so then they can call us insurrectionists if we even question, let alone challenge, the results of those newly federalized elections. They want free reign to do anything they want. They want to protect free speech by silencing anyone that they disagree with. They want to protect democracy by making sure that the votes don't really matter. This is what they're trying to push, and they're trying to use January 6th for that, as well as trying to hide the pee under the shell over here of January 6th. Uh, that pee happening to represent the fact that they're completely and totally incompetent. That they have literally destroyed this nation's recovery efforts from the COVID shutdowns. And that they still can't stand the fact that now even people who typically vote for Democrats have gotten fed up with mask mandates and vaccine mandates and having to lock back down just because there's a new variant that seems to be about as dangerous as sniffing Kool-Aid. Uncomfortable, but not really dangerous. I don't recommend it either. If this becomes the next TikTok challenge, I promise you that's not my fault. Well, Tim, how do you mean? Well, I mean... For the longest time, we have all, if you are a fellow conservative, we have all had our fights on social media. And it doesn't matter what platform you're on. If you're on one of them that's run by the leftists, they have done everything to either directly silence you through 30 days in Facebook jail or banning you on Twitter for violation of community rules to shadow banning you and throttling back your reaches. I think I've told you several times, my primary reach still comes through Facebook, even though I'm on Getter now, I'm on Gab, I'm on, I'm over on Twitter, but probably not enough to count. Uh, Clout Hub, uh, obviously, Parlor. Uh, I'm on all of these social media sites, but my biggest reach is still on Facebook because that's where I have the most interaction with people that I really know, as well as people that are best fans of the show, because that was my primary push. That's where I was primarily for social media from the inception of the show. So there I am, and I've told you before the stories of them throttling back my reach. I literally went from being able to share a post and getting 
thousands of interactions to sometimes being lucky to break double digits on just uh, an acknowledgement of seeing the post. Strangely enough, though, my personal stuff still seems to have a pretty solid reach. No, still nowhere near what it used to be because the algorithm has removed me from so many feeds for so long. I'm just not back there unless we have a new interaction with one another. And as ridiculous as that sounds, that's where we're at. It's certainly not a case of people not wanting to interact with it. There's no way because I still occasionally get messages, hey, where have you been? I haven't seen you post in forever. It's like, uh, I've been posting daily, my friend. Been posting daily. Although, actually, that hasn't been true here lately. During the show's hiatus, there were several days in a row where I may not get online at all because I was so busy. But previous to that, and since then, daily, there's, there's something. Sometimes it's not even newsworthy, but it's something. Well, we had to deal with the social media censorship. We'll, we'll just call all that great big giant bag of being deplatformed, being canceled, being punished and being throttled we'll, we'll just call all the uh, all those things uh censorship because that's really what it is then we were told hey guys you know what there's just not a space for you on these platforms you really want to continue to do this stuff go do your own thing and so people started going and doing their own thing uh the blaze glenn beck was probably one of the pioneers of going out and doing his own thing. And I have to tell you, I was very suspicious of the possibility of him being successful, going to a, a full-blown uh, subscription-based platform that he's building from scratch. Then we saw folks like Parler. We saw folks like Gab uh, before Parler, uh, where Amazon Web Services came along and said, oh, no, sorry. Now, Gab learned their lesson very quickly. They built their own servers. They made sure they didn't have to rely on Amazon or any other leftist tech company. And then Parler got hit again because of January 6th, about a year ago. They got hit. They got taken down. Why? Because of the big lie about Parler, which was that people used Parler to help coordinate the assault on the Capitol on January 6th, which is bull capital excrement, total and complete guano, but that's okay because, you know, they're the left and they're allowed to make up stories because the ends justifies the means or yeah, right? So you got Glenn Beck who's out ahead of the curve. You have the Daily Wire coming on afterwards, the Daily Caller, these folks going out and doing the smart thing and getting where they can't be completely shut down, where they can't be completely squashed by the tech giants. And now, because they're still being effective, because Gab built their own servers, because Parler managed to get a comeback as they built their own infrastructure, and now they're back, because Glenn Beck showed the way with your own uh, website and your own servers and your own set of rules because so many of these folks have showed up and they've been successful at grabbing part of that space so that the big tech giants can't squash and silence us. Well, then guess what? Us conservatives have a place to go to, you know, go be conservative and social. And then suddenly the left decides that they're coming for social media platforms 
that aren't willing to just put the total and complete squeeze on every conservative voice. Facebook pretends like they're still for free speech. They say the right things in front of Congress, and the leftists come after them. They want them gone. In fact, one of the stories we're going to talk about today is Facebook is being sued. We'll get to that a little later. But the point of the matter is, is that folks like us, us conservatives, we're still way too successful at getting our points of view and our political arguments out to the masses. Some of us way better at it than others, but we're all in the fight and we're all doing the job. We're doing the hard work. We're spreading the news. We're sharing the links. We're expounding ourselves. We're getting behind microphones. We're getting in front of cameras. We're dominating Rumble and BitChute and, and uh, Odyssey. <clears throat> Excuse me. Still having the throat issue, sorry. And I see the new video, uh, well, the newcomer to the video format line. <clears throat> All of which are challengers to YouTube and their tyrannical behavior. So now they've got to find some new way to come after us. And guess what? January 6th is that attack mechanism. Today, the Blaze Media had to have a response to the New York Times, who ran with a, uh, a piece attacking Glenn Beck. Attacking Glenn Beck? How? Well, you know, it's been a while since Glenn Beck has been put out there by name. And in this case, Glenn Beck is a stand-in for every conservative voice out there that has taken a stand on this issue. And I will get to that after we deal with this particulars of the attack on Glenn Beck. Now, Glenn had his own response today on his show, which he literally had to broadcast from home as he's suffering from uh, a case of COVID right now. But he comes on to make the point that he has a response, not a direct challenge, not a refutal, just a clarification, making sure the context is available. And that's important to the overall story. But besides Glenn sticking it for himself on air, Blaze Media CEO uh, Tyler Carden called out the New York Times for using, quote, ominous framing in an article about election falsehoods that took comments from Glenn Beck's show, and it took them out of context. Now, I don't get to listen to Glenn every day. I don't have the time to do that. I don't get to listen to Ben Shapiro every day. I wish that Andrew Claven was on more frequently, but he's working on other projects, so I get that. Uh, Matt Walsh, Walsh does a, a great job writing. Uh, you know, the other folks on both Blaze Media and uh, Daily Wire Media, they have some great podcasts. I don't get to listen to them all. I try to sneak in at least two or three of them every day so that I can see where they're at and make sure that I'm not just copycatting what's going on for major uh, podcast uh, ability. But I actually remembered listening at the time to the show that is referenced in this article. Now, the Times article titled Election Falsehoods Surged on Podcasts Before Capital Riots Research Finds, well, it reported on a study by researchers at the Brookings Institute uh, 
who reviewed transcripts of nearly 1,500 episodes from 20 of the most popular conservative podcasts looking for election misinformation leading up to the 2020 presidential election. And in the opening paragraph, the article by Stuart Thompson claimed that Beck made a prediction about the election in which he suggested President Donald Trump would appear to be winning early in the evening, but would have his lead erode after questionable mail-in ballots were counted, giving Joe Biden an advantage. Saying, quote, no one will believe the outcome because they've changed the way we're electing a president this time. Which he did say. But he was talking about the situation that other people were, in fact, predicting. And as it turns out, it was pretty accurate. Now, in several tweets, Cardin called attention to how the Times article left out important context surrounding Beck's remarks. Saying, quote, read this opening paragraph from the New York Times piece about election falsehoods that published yesterday. Note the ominous framing. Apparently, on a random day in September, big bad broadcaster ben Glenn Beck outlined his predictions for Election Day in a single sentence. But the quote they pulled was from a segment in which Glenn Beck was reacting to a report by the Transition Integrity Project which got a ton of media coverage largely because it predicted the end of the republic in all scenarios except a Biden landslide. Now, this was all part of that. Now, he continued providing a partial transcript of Beck's remarks from the September 16th, 2020 episode of his radio program. Beck was discussing an August 3rd, 2020 report by the bipartisan group of experts that were convened by the Transition Integrity Project to run uh, tabletop simulations of the 2020 presidential election. The report predicted it was highly likely that the November's elections will be marked by chaotic legal and political landscapes. The report urged policymakers to prepare for a contested election and precisely predicted how Trump would contest the results of the election by alleging there was voter fraud. The researchers ran four hypothetical scenarios with opposing teams representing the Biden and Trump camps. Two of the scenarios ended with a close election which both resulted in what Beck described as a nightmarish situation where the election is contested. And in the third scenario, where Trump clearly won the Electoral College vote, but Biden won the popular vote, uh, gameplay ended in a constitutional crisis. Only the fourth scenario of a decisive victory for Biden in both the Electoral College and popular vote was resolved without a major crisis. So reacting to this information, Beck agreed with the assessment and said it would take a landslide victory by either candidate to convince a majority of Americans that the election was legitimate. So where's the lie? This is what Cardin's asking on Wednesday. Said You need to look no further than the TIP report itself 
to find support for Glenn Beck's prediction. The only difference is Glenn Beck is more generous to the Dems by assuming they'd accept Trump if he had a landslide victory. In the report, this resulted in constitutional crisis. And supporting this case, Cardin shared a video montage of prominent politicians, including many Democrats, expressing their doubts about the integrity of the electoral process leading up to the 2020 election. Now, the New York Times and a few other dusty legacy media outlets uh, are desperate to connect every effective dissident voice in today's media landscape to some flavor of dangerous misinformation, not because it's true, but because they're losing influence and want to silence their competition. Now, reach for a response. The New York Times Vice President of Communications, Daniel Rhodes, ha, said, quote, our editors have reviewed the passage and found the use of the quote to be accurate and fair. Mr. Beck's quote is clearly in reference to concerns about mail-in ballots. Yes. Yes, it was. But his discussion was about predictions being made by this think tank that is clearly, clearly not conservative. The Brookings Institute is where the guy who told all the lies to Mr. Steele of the Steele dossier came from. The Brookings Institute had a reputation for being middle of the road for all of two minutes of its existence. And then it's been leaning left ever since, and it continues to go further and further to the left. And these folks... They were making up this story because they had prepared, they had planned, they were pushing this notion that Donald Trump was going to call out the military and disband the Congress and, and hold on to power any way necessary, that a coup de grace was underplay, and that he was just taking over. They wanted you to believe that. They still want you to believe that's what happened. That's why they want to call this event that happened a year ago an insurrection instead of a protest. That's why the political theater is there. That's why they tried to impeach the man twice with no legitimate grounds for impeachment. Literally accusing him of doing things that Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. actually did do. But you see, when it's the folks on their side, it's okay. It's all right. That's just Joe being Joe. He's got to make money somehow. He's got to get his son Hunter work in the Ukraine. He's, he's got to manipulate Ukrainian politics, keep people from investigating the company that's going to hire his son. You know, a little, little quid pro quo is okay, but it's for a good cause. You just can't let conservatives do it. And you certainly can't let outsiders do it because let's face facts. Donald Trump loves America, but Donald Trump is not a conservative, not by any real stretch. He's in the middle at best on most social policies. And that doesn't negate him from being a quality leader. 
This isn't meant to be an attack on them. It's meant to remind everyone who's listening, especially the folks that are everything Trump, that the man is still a man. Now, he's a man who loves America. There's no question about that. If you're going to be honest, nobody would have put up with the abuse that he did when he didn't have to to do the job. And he legitimately was trying to do the job to the best of his ability, and he was doing a heck of a lot better job than several of the most recently elected people to hold the position. The results speak for themselves. You can, uh, you can go on about his lack of morality when he was younger. You can go on about how mean he was on Twitter. You can find anything that you want to to try and make it an issue. But at the end of the day, it's how the administration did its work. It is, was America really put first? Were the American people better off under the Trump administration than they were under the Obama administration? The Bush administration, the Clinton administration. Now, some of the people out there that are getting to vote in the upcoming election weren't even alive for the Clinton administration. It's been that long, believe it or not. So the question of whether or not you were better off is hard for some of these folks to answer, but for a lot of people, they knew instantly, and a lot of people were finally doing a little better for the, some, some of them for the first time in their lives because Trump was that outsider and because Trump believed in doing things at the speed of business. He didn't understand why things have to take forever and forever. Let's just get it done. If, if we can all agree or enough of us can agree that this is the way to go, then let's do it. And when Trump would say something like, hey, maybe we should uh, dig a moat and fill it with uh, alligators and sharks with uh, laser beams on their heads to keep the, the folks from coming across the border illegally, somebody would say, um, uh, Mr. President, I'm afraid we just we don't have the authority to do that. And he'd say, really? Why not? There'd be an explanation. He's like, OK, well, what can we do then? Can, can we at least get an aquarium with a shark with a laser beam on its head so that I can have it here in the Oval Office? Yes, yes, we can do that, Mr. President, although it's very difficult to train a shark to keep a laser beam on its head. The point of the matter was Donald Trump, he would throw out ideas every time that he was thinking. He was thinking out loud. It was a pitch session. It was an opportunity to pull together a brainstorming session and clearly – as being somebody who was slightly to the left and who hadn't to be overly concerned about the limitations of the Constitution previously in his life, he wasn't an expert in those fields, but he was an expert in getting things done and believing that America should be in a much better situation than it had been under the previous administrations. The Abraham Accords alone should have been enough to net him a Nobel Peace Prize. They didn't even want to nominate him. And once he got nominated, they didn't want to recognize the nomination. The Abraham Accords, which, of course, Biden completely ignores that and wants to get back in bed with the Iranians who are hell-bent on destroying everyone that's not them. How absurd is that? We get Nancy Pelosi putting on the dog and pony show. We get uh, Kamala Harris putting on the, oh, well, this is a day on the calendar that's just as bad as Pearl Harbor or 9-11. Well, yeah, that's funny because you guys don't typically act like 9-11 was that bad. 
So I seem to recall you have fully embraced someone who has perfectly comfortable saying that, well, 9-11 is just uh, some people did something. And that's okay. Again, perfectly okay, because she's on their side. But how dare you speak up about the unconstitutional changes in uh, elections in states like Pennsylvania and how that should, in fact, negate that policy that their elections were not duly lawful elections. How dare you be concerned about the fact that while what we typically call voter fraud didn't exist in large enough uh, numbers as far as what was provable to effectively change the outcome of an election, because this is what we keep hearing, right? Despite all of that, it doesn't mean that the, the elections that took place were legal at all. Isn't that enough to invalidate? Well, not according to these people. So what's left? At the end of the day, the only thing that we truly have moving forward is the fact that the Democrats are desperate. They're desperate to try and shut everyone down. This article attacking Glenn Beck also attacked, not necessarily by name, but attacked any conservative media type out there. If you dared to comment on the fact that there could be questionable election tactics in play, then you're the enemy. You're an enemy to democracy. You're one of the insurrectionists. So, yeah, I'm going to hold up my hand. I'm an enemy of the state. Over here, that's me being rhetorically sarcastic at NSA. I'm not an enemy of the state. I love this nation. I want this nation to flourish. I want her people to be free and enjoy the blessings of liberty that we should have. And that means that the folks that are constantly trying to lecture us on the concerns of freedom and democracy need to back up the truck and remember what the limits on federal government are and why they're there in the first place. Don't tell me in one breath that you're trying to protect my freedom and then in the very next sentence, start lecturing me about why I haven't gotten 14 jabs yet. Well, clearly, uh, there's, there's, more, uh, there's more COVID out there. Uh, now, there's a new variant that's been uh, isolated and discovered, I think it was in France. I haven't even heard the name of it yet. Uh, they're trying to determine exactly uh, where, where it is, but it, it's mutated in a lot of different ways than other variants. So there, there's not a lot of data yet. Well, they've got to find something else to scare you about COVID because right now Omicron's just not that scary. Omicron is Mother Nature's vaccination to COVID for most of us. I mean, literally, you you get sick from it. It doesn't, the, the vaccines don't seem to stop Omicron in any real fashion. Triple vax folks are getting Omicron. But the, the conditions of Omicron are still that of roughly a, a bad cold. And the natural immunity that's coming after the infection works against all the currently known variants of Omicron. I, I mean, uh, variants of uh, COVID. So here we are. There, there, there we go. What, what else do you need? 
How about some freaking liberty? How about some truth? Can we get some truth? Clearly not from a politician, and it doesn't really matter what letter is at the end of your name from that statement. You got a few folks up there that are still trying to do what they genuinely think is the right thing. And there's some on both sides. There are a few folks up there. Now, they've typically, if they stuck a D at the end of their name, they've typically been misguided, misled, or they're victims of the uh, public school system, victims of indoctrination. It's not really their fault. But what else can you do? They go after Glenn Beck. But they also, they don't like Tucker Carlson. They don't like Sean Hannity. They, they don't like Tim Tapp. They don't like any of us. That's the sad part. Not one of us. They especially don't like those of us that get a little mouthy when we start talking about liberty and freedom, when we start talking about the Constitution, when we start talking about the fact that they work for us, not the other way around, that we get to tell them what it is we want them to do, and it's up to them to figure out a way to make something good happen within the confines of the Constitution. They don't like that. They don't like having their hands tied. They don't like being answerable to some common uh, everyday smojo off the street. They don't want to talk to Philip down the road. They don't want to talk to Uncle Frankie over here. They want to be in their own little circles where they only get to talk to other politicians, media people that are going to make them famous, and then celebrities that are willing to go along with whatever fantasies the left wants to push. Those are the only people they should be forced to mingle with. Those are the only people worthy of their time and their efforts. They don't like being reminded that they work for us. They work for Samantha, who's pulling a double shift at the Walmart this week because she's still trying to, to get caught up on her overextension because she had to buy Christmas presents for her two kids because she's a single mom. They don't want to talk to Bill, who works in the barber shop as a retiree. He's trying to to supplement his income because there's not enough in the retirement accounts because the politicians have robbed and stolen him, and there's certainly not enough in Social Security for anybody to survive on. They don't want to talk to Franklin, the truck driver. They don't want to talk to uh, any common everyday person because we are so far beneath them, so far. We're, we're not smart enough to have a conversation with them. We don't understand how the world works. We can't understand the distinction between critical race theory and racial essentialism. So there's no point in them even trying to tell us. They'll just tell us the story that they're not teaching CRT in public schools. <sighs> All right. I have blown way past the the halfway point of the hour so uh you gotta stay with me we're gonna have to take this little break and uh on the other side of it we will uh we'll continue with at least one more story before we're done uh stay where you're at i'll be right back this is tim tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year 
We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest, yes, the merriest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest, you cheer. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest New Year. May your tree be filled with happiness, happiness and friendliness for all. May your heart be filled with cheerfulness, happiness and cheerfulness for all. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest. You'll cheer and the happiest. The Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution states that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy public trial. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. The penalty for trespassing on government property like the United States Capitol Building is six months in jail, plus $1,000 maximum penalty. Yet, Americans who went into the U.S. Capitol Building on January 6th have been detained for more than 10 months. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and five other representatives have discovered that those still locked up have possibly been physically abused and in some cases denied medical care. Allegedly, authorities are committing misprison of felony by knowing about certain individuals being put in solitary confinement before being indicted. I urge you to join me in contacting our representatives now and demand the January 6 Americans be released today. Thank you, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, for checking in on those still locked up while the Biden regime abuses this entire republic every single day. I'm Ron Edwards. If you want the best coffee ever, simply go to theronedwards.com and place your Christmas order now for Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. This is Tim Tapp, host of Tap into the Truth.
righty, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Of course, I am back. But before we get into the next story, I want to very quickly remind you, fine folks, that uh, it is getting close to tuxedo season again. Uh, it's kind of surprising to think about it at this point, but you have upcoming spring weddings. You have Valentine's Day. Uh who knows what? At this point, since all the schools are going back to virtual learning, maybe you can just go ahead and have a virtual graduation and a virtual prom and just might as well go ahead and do it now. No point of waiting till May, right? Okay, so anyway, Fine Tuxedos is a fine organization to uh, do business with. Uh, a lot of you out there, you'll rent a tuxedo. Why not get a high-quality tuxedo or accessories? Uh, in a lot of cases, brand names that you'll know, uh, quality that you'll like, get it, own it, and pay uh, maybe even less than it would cost to rent it in some cases. Uh, at any rate, follow the link in today's show description. Go check it out for yourself, Fine Tuxedos. Uh, if you need formal wear uh, or accessories, it's a great place to go. Just go visit the website. They can tell you way more about it than I can and do a much better job than I will anyway. So uh, go down into the show description, copy the full link, uh, paste that over in your web browser, and go visit. And by using the full link... They know that I sent you. So if you decide to make a purchase, well, then you help me out because I get a small little commission for sending you that direction. And uh, even if you don't, but you go visit and maybe recommend to some friends and have them use the link, they still will know that it's generating traffic from this show. And at some point, maybe they'll decide to become a sponsor instead of just uh, allow the associate uh, position. Anyway, with that being said, uh, let's get back into the action because I've only got a few minutes left. Uh, doesn't take long to comment on this Right now, we've got a bipartisan group of lawmakers that are, you know, they're kind of mulling over some reform to the Electoral Count Act, you know, using January 6th as the cover for doing so. So this bipartisan group of lawmakers, they're kind of entertaining a plan to, again, reform, air quotes for the radio were so great, reforming the Electoral Count Act. Amid the anniversary of January 6th, uh, and also amid Democrats' efforts to <clears throat> reform the filibuster and to pass a pair of election overhaul bills. In other words, they want to do away with the filibuster, and they want to federalize our elections. Now, The Hill reports that the effort, which has found footing with Democrats like California Representative and January 6th Committee member Zoe Lofgren, has spread to more moderate voices like uh, Angus King of Maine and Independent who caucuses with the Democrats. Hmm. Moderate Democrats like Arizona Senator Kristen Sinema. And the move has also caught the attention of Republican senator leadership. Uh, quoting from Mitch McConnell, uh, wholly aside from all the other things they're discussing, this is something that's worth discussing. And Senate Minority Whip John Thune added that Senate Republicans believe, quote, that there are some things that could be fixed and that there has been some expression of interest by several members. There are several things I think you could change if you were looking at doing it. 
he did add in his conversation to the interview with the Hill, I don't think anybody's come to any conclusions. So senators have floated several ideas, again, according to the report from the Hill, including clarifying the vice president's role in the counting process and upping the number of votes needed to object to a state's electoral count from just one senator and one House member to one-third of both chambers. Thune uh, here, uh, quote, I think the role of the vice president needs to be codified so it's clear what that is. I think the last time former vice president Mike Pence followed precedent, there's some question about how many senators it ought to take or House members it ought to take to object before it triggers a vote. I mean, there's questions around that. Now, Chuck Schumer, who's, of course, the Senate Majority Leader, uh, he's promised to force a vote on changing the Senate rules in order to ram through the pair of Democratic election overhaul bills, blasted Republicans' discussions, arguing that they're not going far enough. Quoting here, Let me take this opportunity to make clear that plan. The McConnell plan, that's what it is. It's unacceptably insufficient and even offensive. Scorekeeping matters little if the game is rigged. Well, ain't that, ain't that the truth? Doesn't matter who you vote for if your selections are edited. Doesn't matter who you're voting for if your options of who you vote are controlled, if who's allowed to vote are controlled, if what you think is controlled. Now, I, as a reasonable human being, would like to think if we're actually going to have a choice, we get to take advantage of that choice. The fact that there are Republicans that want to sound reasonable is to throw a bone towards the Democrats' uh, attention. I mean, and that's what this is. It's an effort to say, hey, well, let's mend some fences here. We can work with you on this. And, of course, Chucky Schumer can't seem to be weak. He's like, no, it's not good enough. It's not enough. We want it all. Because that's the idea of uh, negotiation when you're a Democrat. Give us everything we want. Until we can't get what we want. And then you still ought to give it to us. But we'll take what you're willing to give us. And then we'll immediately go even further. We're going to want even more than we did before. And we're going to start fighting for that immediately. It's offensive that you're not willing to just let us control elections at the federal level. It's offensive that you're not willing to, to let us just do away with the filibuster when we want to. But bring it back when we want to. We, we, we'll want to bring it back. We know there's going to come a day where we're not going to have the majority anymore, where we're not going to be in control. We know a day is coming when those mean old Republicans, most of which have the backbone of a jellyfish, they're going to be in charge again. And when we are trying to fight them, not because they're trying to pass anything we don't like either, but because they're just not us and this is about the blue team, not about the American people, well, we're going to want it back then. It's going to be a great American institution. We only did away with it for a short period of time. 
We only uh, brushed it aside and put it in the closet over there because it was in our way. But now, now we need it to get in their way, and that's that's patriotic. Don't be unpatriotic. And the Republicans want to help with this because they too are thinking. Uh, well, if the Democrats open that door, if they open Pandora's box, well, then we can run with it. We're really just as much behind letting it happen because we didn't stand in opposition strong enough. And the reason we're just as much behind it is because we want to do the same thing. They're all tired of having their hands cuffed by the Constitution. Or at least having to act like they think they are because they certainly don't behave in general as if they think the Constitution even matters. Seem to recall Nancy Mimi Pelosi uh, back in the days of Obamacare moving forward being asked, where do you have the constitutional authority to do this? Ha ha, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yes, the reporter actually was, Nancy, and you never actually answered. You just laughed at them. Literally laughed. Of course, he was also telling us such great political theory as you got to pass the bill to find out what's in the bill. Same point in time. So, you know, when you're a great political thinker like Nancy Pelosi, why question? The Constitution is a roadblock. The Constitution is an obstacle that must be overcome, that must be worked around. They certainly can't just accept the Constitution says, no, you can't do that, and they don't do it anymore. That's not allowed. That hasn't been allowed in decades. Coming up on centuries at this point. And so now they want to work on this bill because why? Why do you want to work on this bill? That's insane. I don't care what your thought process here. Don't give an inch. Don't give them an ounce of credibility because they don't deserve it. They have zero credibility with anybody that actually thinks critically. So why would you offer up a little ounce? You're, you're taking what little bit of credibility you have, guys, and you're trying to, to, to share it with them. And, give it and say, yeah, well, you know, maybe there's something that we should look at. Ah, guys, seriously. All right, that's going to have to be it for the first hour. So for those of you that are listening on Terrestrial Radio, allow me to say good evening to you now. Although technically it's good morning for most of you. Just remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe out there as best you can. Stay healthy if you can. And, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. But for the rest of you, bye for now. Tune in again tomorrow. Presumably, you'll get to hear hour number two then. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. 
kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death They learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago Happy little This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year. It's just another New Year's Eve, another night like all the rest. It's just another New Year's Eve, let's make it the best. It's just another New Year's Eve, it's just another old Lang Syne. But when we're through this new year, you'll see we'll be just fine. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn you went Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you wet. Damn you, when? Hello and 
Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, uh, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And yes, in case you were wondering, if you're listening to the rebroadcast on great terrestrial radio stations across the country, uh, if you're listening at KYAH, as I bring a little East Tennessee flavor to Utah's Talk Authority, just as an example, then it would behoove you to know that right off the gate, I am broadcasting today. The time is January 6th, twenty. 22. It is the one-year anniversary of Insurrection Day. So yes, very sarcastically, let me wish each and every one of you a very happy Insurrection Day. Uh, maybe at some point, these leftist morons will find out what an actual insurrection looks like. Uh, it normally requires that there be some uh, institutional support for the effort to overthrow the Capitol. Uh, a few protesters showing up really an insurrection. And, uh, no, I, it was a protest. Now, before I get too far down this rabbit hole, I want to remind you folks that you've been hearing me kind of start out with some clips uh, with the, the New Year's bit, and uh, this will be the last broadcast of the year where I'm still playing those. Well, actually, the last broadcast until we get past Christmas of 2022. Uh, hopefully, I will still be with you, and you'll still be listening, and, and everything will still be uh, hunky-dory, or at least we'll still get together and commiserate uh, together, uh, depending on how bad the, the Democrats monkey stuff up. But uh, before I go any further, and before I retire those clips, and I seem to be getting some new ones now, I want to thank uh, Doug, a.k.a. the Crazy Cajun, uh, for putting those together for me, uh, along with all of his production work that he's doing uh, for the uh, Ron Edwards American Experience. He's uh, doing some stuff and playing around and uh, sending me some clips. And uh, Doug's always been great. He's been fantastic. So, again, I want to, again, on air publicly thank Doug. Thank you so very much, sir. Uh, you may be the Crazy Cajun, but... Uh, I got nothing but love for you, brother. All right. With that having been said and uh, the proper thanksgiving, we were, again, talking about what does it take to be an insurrectionist? Uh, these folks were not very good at it. There was no institutional support. There were no uh, true weapons involved. And the majority of people that got caught up with this were, well, they were little more than people that were following a few uh, rowdy folks. And the rowdy folks were bad. Hey, don't get me wrong. Again, I'm not making any excuses. It was a bad thing, and it's a bad look, and it hurts the cause. It, it really does. And worse than that, it gives the left this ridiculous, over-the-top uh, fodder. Now, granted, if they were going to be realistic about it, if they were going to be honest about it, they wouldn't be quite so over-the-top with it. But well, what are you going to do? I mean, remember, we were dealing with COVID, and they want to pretend like Omicron is a reason to shut down schools. And back to Chicago's teachers' union, uh, uh, they're like, not going to do it. Now they're literally in an ongoing conflict and at the start of uh, the broadcast day today, it's clear that there's going to be at least three days that they were supposed to be back to work, and they're not. And this is a mess that's just getting messier. Uh 
Representative Swalwell from California made headlines because much like AOC last week, he was caught in Florida unmasked. Now, this is Mr. Mask, right? He's all about the COVID lockdowns and the COVID masking mandates and all this stuff. And uh, he tried to play it off like, oh, you caught me. I demand you give them the Pulitzer Prize immediately because uh, the Daily Mail was the first uh, media outlet to run with the story, right? The Daily Mail, give them the Pulitzer now. You got me. Really? You think it's funny? Now, in case you're wondering why the name Swalwell sounds familiar and it's not clicking instantly, this is that guy who's on the House Intelligence Committee whose most intelligent move so far has been to do the bang-bang with bang-fang. Yeah, now, is, is that ringing a bell with you? Yeah, uh, notorious, uh, a famous, uh, some would say infamous Chinese spy, fang-fang. And yet he's still allowed to maintain his position on the Intelligence Committee. Really? I mean, I guess, realistically, if you're looking through the House of Representatives, you might be hard-pressed to find very much in the way of intelligence, especially among the Democratic caucus. But uh, still, it seems like something should have been done when, when the truth came out about that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm so busy being an insurrectionist. Maybe I was so busy delivering to you misinformation that I just completely missed the part where it's perfectly okay when there's a D at the end of your name to do whatever you want. Just do what makes you feel good, man. Like, it, it's so good, man. You just just tune out for a little while. It's okay. Fang, fang is good. She's a good, it's a shame she had to leave the country when the FBI, who was investigating her, was about to close in. And she's like, ruh roll, Reggie, time to go. Like, it's so cool, man. I just, this is where we're at, though. This is where we're at. You know, it, and again, mentioning the whole Swalwell thing is falls into the same category as with AOC in Florida. As we before, I, I mentioned it in passing, and specifically for the one redeeming value, it's not particularly newsworthy. It's not. It's not surprising to any of us that these folks that are living in lockdown states want some freedom for themselves, and since they're not a peasant like the rest of us, they're free to travel about. It's not surprising that they want to go to Florida, that they want to leave the mask off. Hell, they're not wearing the mask when they're not in front of cameras anyway. How many times have we caught AOC and her crew uh, putting together little uh, photo opportunities and uh, somebody's videotaping the whole thing and the video sneaks out there? Uh, nobody's wearing a mask until it's time for the pictures to be taken. Okay, everybody mask up. Okay. It's been more than once. Spoiler, more than once. The number of times, if you're somebody like me, you know, because I'm one of these here uh, hillbillies down in uh, Tennessee, so sometimes I have trouble with, like, counting uh, uh, further than I have fingers and toes to count on, you know. So if somebody like me, I have a hard time keeping up with exactly how many of them there is, right? Right. And, and you know what? The funny thing is, that's what most of these people typically think about all of the rest of us. It doesn't matter if you're from the South or from the Midwest or if you're even from one of their vaunted blue states. If you're from New York, if you're from California, if you're not one of the elite members of their inter-click, 
If you're not part of the inner circle, then you're just rubbish. You're trash. And you will remain so until you can prove otherwise. And, you know, it's almost sinful that you might try to elevate yourself above your station. How droll. Also offensive, but it's so humorous, too. Ha, 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 ha. All right, as you can tell, I'm gotten a little worked up on the issue. So uh, I'll digress. But again, just like with AOC, the only thing that makes it noteworthy, worth mentioning at all, is it demonstrates their hypocrisy. And that's it. So I, I'll mention it and we will move on. Because it's not a big news story. It's not worth talking about. I've already wasted more words than I should have on it. But the hypocrisy is there. And when somebody from the left challenges me on social media... Or sends me a nasty message over the website, shoots me a, a mean email, and they're all about this, that, and you're always talking about leftist hypocrisy, and you don't give a single example. I give examples all the time, but you don't even have to listen to me. If you paid attention at all, you wouldn't need me to give you an example. It's literally all around you. Open your eyes, open your ears, listen for a moment to the people you elect. Just listen to them. They say crazy things all the time. I have no idea where that accent came from. Anyway, we talked back in the first hour. This is, in fact, the second hour of a two-hour broadcast that took place on January 6th, Insurrection Day shall forever be known as such. It has been decreed from the powers on high, from the democratic powers. Anyway, back in the first hour, we were talking a little bit about social media and about how there's been a full-blown attack on conservatives, uh, conservative voices that are out there, and they've attacked us every way they could. If you were uh, a media personality, you were attacked and you were deplatformed. If you were a social media star, you know, you had a YouTube channel, for example, and you managed to get 10,000 followers or more, you know, people subscribing to your channel. Man, those are some great numbers, by the way. Uh, I know there's a lot of folks doing a lot better than that, but I would love to get, you know, half of that. Although I really don't do enough stuff for it. Anyway, I, I digress. We were talking about how we're being censored. And I mentioned then that we would talk about later something that's going on with Facebook. Because you see, Facebook is no longer favored. They're, they're a powerhouse, to be sure. As a company, they're worth a lot of money. So by rights, you would expect them to have a lot of influence. They are where the older folks on social media are at now. You know, all the younger folks are over on TikTok and wherever else they may be congregating. They've, they had moved from Facebook to Instagram, and now they've moved from Instagram over to TikTok. And there's probably some new thing I don't know about yet. Because, you know, I'm a crushy old angry white guy that don't know nothing. But, uh, you know, Facebook doesn't enjoy the same position uh, of protected status that they used to. We've seen... The politicians coming for Facebook, and now, now we see everyday Americans coming for Facebook. And strangely enough, this isn't an argument that's that dissimilar to the same thing the leftists use to try and attack uh, firearms manufacturers. So stay with me here. Facebook's being sued over alleged responsibility in the killing of a federal officer. So Facebook, which of course the official company name is Meta now. 
they're being sued over its uh, responsibility uh, in the killing of a federal officer that took place back in May of 2020. David Patrick Underwood, a federal security officer, was shot and killed while standing guard at a federal courthouse in Oakland, California, during rioting and protesting that took place following the death of St. George Floyd. The alleged assailant was reportedly connected to a far-right anti-government group. He and his alleged co-conspirator had pled not guilty to charges in connection to the killing. Now, David Patrick Underwood was shot and killed by a man who traveled to Oakland, California, with an intent to kill federal agents, according to federal prosecutors. This, of course, was reported in the Wall Street Journal, should you be interested. Underwood's sister, Angela Underwood Jacobs, is in the process now of suing Facebook in California Superior Court. Quoting uh, from Ms. Jacobs now, Facebook bears responsibility for the murder of my brother. Facebook knowingly promoted inflammatory and violent content and connected extremists who plotted and carried out the killing of my brother. Facebook must be held responsible for the harm it's caused not just my family, but so many others through its promotion of extremist content and by promoting algorithms to actively recruit members to its web platform. I'm going to pause from the article here for just a second and say, say what? You're upset that Facebook has an algorithm that's designed to attract new members to sign up? Uh, Considering the business model for Facebook and the fact that they've been losing uh, members for a while because they keep moving to the next hot thing, uh, those young kids I was talking about over at TikTok again, it makes sense that they would want to market themselves and grow their customer base. Although technically their customers are the people that buy all the information they collect on us, the information we give them willingly by signing their agreements and filling out our information and then legitimately just surveilling ourselves for their benefit. That's why you don't see a whole lot of personal posts of, hey, uh, at the vacation, ooh, check this out, great restaurant, blah, blah. You don't see a whole lot of that from me. And when you do see it from me on there, uh, it's because they were fantastic and because it's a couple of days old. Trying not to give anybody an opportunity to get too much information on me. And at the same time, certainly nothing I care for folks to have. Like, I don't care that you know that I went to Hibachi Pizza uh, Thursday and got the checkerboard burger. Although that's not typically what I get at Hibachi Pizza, which is a great little place in Oliver Springs. Now, they have one in Oak Ridge as well. The problem is the same folks run both, and uh, nobody gets over to the one in Oliver Springs until 2 o'clock. So I <sighs> can't always wait till 2 or later to take my lunch, guys. Just saying. So how's that for free advertising, by the way? Hibachi pizza. They're good at a lot of stuff. They do great burgers. They do really good hibachi, uh, which you would expect with that in the name. They have some good pizzas, too. I mean, uh, for, a, for a small restaurant, they're, they're pretty good. 
Anyway, I don't care that you know that I'm there, and why would you mind? But here's the argument. They allowed people to coordinate. Haven't we heard this argument already? Oh, yeah, except that was directed at Parler, right? Even though we know that the January 6th uh, business was coordinated on Facebook and Twitter, they didn't get deplatformed then. Facebook didn't deplatform here. But at least this is connected to a much bigger issue because I'm sorry, I'm tired of being lectured by Democrats about January 6th, January 6th, January 6th, when we know it's all political theater. You're never going to convince me that suddenly they're concerned about how police officers were treated when fewer than 200 police officers were injured during this event. Now, that's way too many. Don't get me wrong. But my point is, during the summer of love over the protests for George Floyd in multiple American cities, you had over 2,000 police officers seriously injured or killed. Not to mention millions, if not billions, of uninsured damage that took place to private property, let alone what happened to public property. So, yeah, if you were as concerned about what was happening to police officers then, instead of trying to, I don't know, defund them, I might take you a little more seriously on that point. Stop throwing out red herrings left and right. Try Try telling the truth instead of sounding like you're so reasonable. Because you tell the truth, you got nothing, right? We all know that. Anyway, back to this suit. Miss Underwood Jacobs then said Facebook aided and abetted an act of domestic terrorism. No one is holding Facebook accountable, and that's wrong. Is it? Facebook is a tool. If they didn't use Facebook, uh, they would have used Twitter. If they didn't use Twitter, they would have texted one another. If they didn't use a phone, a burner phone most likely, to text or call one another, they would have used smoke signals. If somebody wants to go do something drastic, they're going to find a way to do it. If somebody's heart has been darkened so much that they want to go kill someone, it doesn't matter if you take every single firearm away from every single law-abiding citizen. A criminal who wants to murder will murder. Holding Facebook accountable for the actions of an individual that simply communicated back and forth is ridiculous. Just like it's ridiculous to hold Remington accountable for the actions of a street thief who who breaks into a, a liquor store and shoots the the clerk. It's not Remington. It's not Smith & Wesson. It was a choice made by the individual who had the firearm. I can guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, if the left's ideas about what firearms did all day, every day, was true... I have the world's laziest firearms because they have yet to kill a single person. I have occasionally even challenged them, set them up for success, set them out in a chair in my front yard waiting for it to just try to kill somebody. Try to, try to kill a squirrel, something. No, no, not a They didn't even move the entire time I was away. Granted, I was at a safe distance watching because if you don't keep an eye on it, somebody, not so bad in this particular neighborhood, but uh, you go uh, a few blocks further down, 
there's some folks that if they saw it and didn't think anybody was watching, they might come in and try to, you know, liberate those uh, firearms. So, uh, you know, I was nearby. I was keeping an eye on it, but they, they didn't even move. Guns don't kill people. People kill guns. Sometimes they use people kill guns. <laughs> people kill people. Sometimes they use guns. Guns aren't even the, the the number one statistical way people kill one another. So, again, what accountability do you want from Meta? Now, there's a lot of things you could go after Facebook for, and you would be completely right to do so. But accountability in the murder of your brother, uh, aiding and abetting a terrorist act, you, you're not serious. There's no way you could be serious. This, to me, sounds like you're hoping to force a settlement. This, to me, sounds like you think this is an easy cash grab. Sorry, my brother's dead. Time to get rich. Hand over some ducats there, uh, Facebook. <laughs> no one's holding Facebook accountable, and that's wrong. No, it's not wrong. Facebook is not accountable. It's not Facebook's fault. And how dare you? Miss Underwood Jacobs, how dare you put me in the position of having to defend Facebook? I don't want to be in that position. I don't like Facebook the way they operate their business. I don't like the fact that they put opinion people and put them in a position calling them fact checkers when all they really do is insert their opinions about things. I don't like the fact that I can't share a funny meme that is obvious it's just a joke and they'll still put a tag on it saying, missing context. No, it's not. It's a joke. You'll think it's funny if you know the context and you will uh, have no freaking clue what it is if you don't understand the context. Most of the best jokes require you to have a shared experience somewhere in pop culture. If you don't have a shared experience, there's a ton of things that I can say that are absolutely hilarious that you'll just sit there and go, what's, what's that all about? Because you don't know. That doesn't mean it's missing context. That means it's a joke for a selected group of people. If you're not one of those people, don't interject. Just keep scrolling. Just scroll along. Go, go find your lesbian theory dance class group and hang out with those folks. Hug a tree if it helps. Whatever you need to do. Now, this complaint, it detailed the alleged connection of Facebook to the killing. Uh, quoting here, uh, the shooting was not a random act of violence. It was the culmination of an extremist plot hatched and planned on Facebook by two men who Meta connected through Facebook's groups infrastructure and its use of algorithms designed and intended to increase user engagement and correspondingly met its profits. Okay, that's a somewhat reasonable explanation of what the algorithms do and when they're suggesting groups for you to join, making recommendations based on things that you've liked and shared. And, of course, they want to improve their bottom line. You can't be in business very long if you don't. But does that mean that it's their fault? 
back to quoting, Meta's algorithms promote extremism by exposing users to inflammatory, divisive, and untrue content. Meta has elected to do this because material that endangers, I'm sorry, wrong, material that engenders a strong emotional reaction engages readers. Well, yeah, that much is true, too. Although, I would say that most of the inflammatory, divisive, and untrue content isn't coming from anybody on the right side of the political spectrum. Just, I mean, there are some. Don't get me wrong. There's a few folks that they're a little out there, but uh, uh, it's got to be, what, 10 to 1? <laughs> that might actually be uh, undercounting the lefties. <laughs> Back to quoting, Meta's algorithms reward the most prolific users, recommending their content, even though hyperactive use is associated with partisan accounts and suspicious use patterns suggestive of shift work or bot activity. Facebook accounts that are known for and promote misinformation generate almost twice as much engagement per follower than other accounts, such as Meta's policy to promote the most engaging content promotes accounts that push misinformation. Uh, I guess they're talking about Alex Jones, although uh, Alex Jones has been deplatformed from Facebook for years now. Talking about Joe Rogan, maybe? Uh, yeah, Joe Rogan, he's got a lot of misinformation out there because he talks to anybody who's willing to come actually have a conversation. And if he thinks you're dumb, he'll he'll say, hey, you're dumb. This is why I think you're dumb. If he doesn't think you're so dumb, he'll let you keep talking. He doesn't stop very many people, though. Now, sometimes he will occasionally insult some folks, but the conversation continues. Joe Rogan has the most successful podcast in the world because he's willing to have conversations with anyone who's willing to have the conversation. Back to quoting, Meta's failure to warn users about its, the insidious effects and real-world harms caused by its decision to promote extremist groups and develop inflammatory content is inexcusable considering what Meta's own research shows about how Meta's algorithms work. Yeah, I, again, I think there's a lot of assumptions going on here because I don't see a lot of promotion of extremist uh, groups. In fact, here lately, the uh, the most promotion on my timeline for groups has been groups that are banned together either for Babylon 5 or Baby Yoda. So uh, clearly they're, they're not trying to direct me towards anybody that I might uh, make allies with. Although it would be really cool to be allies with Baby Yoda. Come on, Grogu, you and me, using the Force together. So uh, Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act, it protects Internet companies. You know, we've had this discussion for a while. It protects companies like Facebook from being held liable for certain actions. Some lawmakers have discussed amending the 1996 law in light of recent reports. And Facebook continues to field lawsuits from various individuals seeking to hold the platform accountable for perceived damages. 
In a statement that uh, was given to NPR, attorneys for Underwood Jacobs said the Wall Street Journal Facebook file shows Facebook's active role in shaping the content on its website as well as creating and building groups on the platform, activities that fall outside of the conduct protected by Section 230. Is that true? Does that fall outside of those protections? Now, here's what I'll tell you falls outside of the protections of Section 230. When you decide to become a publisher. You see, the way these platforms get that protection, excuse me, while I adjust, you may hear me moving around the microphone. If you're listening in stereo right now, you're probably saying, Tim, stop it. <laughs> if, if you're just a platform and we, the users of that platform, are the publishers, then we're responsible for our own conduct. And that's why it's okay for them to take down uh, – things that are inherently dangerous. That's why it would be okay for them to say, hey, you're promoting this event to go storm Area 51, just as a strange example that has no real world barriers whatsoever. You create a group for storming Area 51. Now, Facebook would be completely within its rights to take that group down and have some punitive actions uh, in the event of uh, limiting the, those accounts, uh, giving them a, a timeout, like Facebook jail, for example, or even ending their account, no longer letting them uh, be part of the platform. They'd be within the rights of doing that, and they would still simply be a platform because they do have a responsibility to police the platform to a degree. But when they start inserting their own ideology into every post that's there. That's when they moved away from being a platform and they became a publisher. They started acting as an editor for whatever I'm publishing. Then they're the publisher at that point. When they start attaching warning labels that missing context or misinformation included or, or this includes information about COVID-19. Uh, would you like to proceed? Any of those things is an effort at censorship and editing. Therefore, they become the publisher. They are no longer simply a platform. At that point, they should no longer receive the protections from Section 230. I'm not quite certain that 230 is what protects them in a case like this. Uh, where this individual who tragically lost his life through the actions of somebody who clearly was an extremist that was willing to travel, that was out there and decided, and I have a hard time believing it was a right-winger that was going after a federal security guard uh, during the George Floyd riots. To say that, that seems odd to me, although, you know, there are some... Uh, ultra right wing groups out there that are so anti-government that yeah okay maybe I, I suppose it could be typically folks who are on the right side of the political spectrum eh, typically don't go in much for violence it's the outlier the problem is once you get them motivated to the point that they actually are going to do violence 
they're typically going all in. It's not a pretty sight. It's like that quiet guy back in high school that the bullies picked on and picked on because they stayed quiet until the time they didn't. And it was way more than they expected. Don't mess with the quiet ones, boys. They're dangerous. And speaking of being quiet, it's probably time that I should be quiet for a few minutes. Let's go ahead and sneak that mid-hour break in. I'm already a few minutes late. I, I seem to be doing that more and more lately. I've had so much to say once I get going. All right, so here's one last little bit uh, of homage to the new year, uh, and this will be officially the last time I play these. So enjoy the clips, and, uh, you know, the rest of the drill. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back on the other side. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year. No more champagne. George Washington Carver wrote the famous quote, Where there is no vision, there is no hope. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the one you want in your cup. The United States of America was founded primarily upon principles that enabled those of thrift and personal industry to achieve success and more importantly, leave the legacy of being an example of overcoming the odds with God's grace making what was an impossible dream into accomplishment. In my thoughts, I am often reminded of the countless sovereign Americans who refused to allow bitterness and hate to become their life story. Still others rejected the fear of stepping out and boldly traveled the road of success in their lives. To my fellow Americans, I beseech you to embrace God's gift of life in this, the greatest nation ever known, and let us seek providential guidance and grand vision of greatness and seize it. If we do, the United States of America will be great again. So help us God. I'm Ron Edwards. Enjoy the Ron Edwards American Experience 3 p.m. Eastern Time daily. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsor. Our Constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. Just a song before I go To whom it may concern It's easy to get burned This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon! 
Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Had a little fun with a little Let's Go Brandon. Had uh, some other things going on. As always, thanks to Ron Edwards for the Ron Edwards, uh, well, for the Edwards Notebook. Uh, let me remind you to visit theronedwards.com whenever you get the opportunity. Always worth the visit. You get to see everything that Ron is up to. Uh, all of his postings, any uh, upcoming visits, anything that he's got going on. Definitely go visit there. And while we're at it, uh, go check out Don Smith over at Locals. Uh, that's where he's taking his show. He's moved off BTR, and uh, he's broadcasting from Locals. Uh, feel free to visit southern-sense. That's southern-sense.com to keep up with Ann Ubellis and everything going over at uh, Southern Sense Talk Radio. And uh, you know what? I, I've been remissant the last few times. I've failed to, to send you in the general direction to check out the Patriot uh, Radio Network, uh, Global Patriot Radio Network. Uh, you can find them at Blog Talk. Uh, that's a great place to go. Go to blogtalkradio.com and look up Global Patriot Radio. Uh, they've got a different show on every day of the week, different hosts hosting those shows, and every single one of them is great with a slightly different uh, format. Uh, I know uh, Hank over there with uh, Poly Sports is one of my favorites over there. Uh, I don't get to listen live as much as I would like to, but I'm still uh, going back and listening uh, to the archives, and uh, it's always a great show. And uh, you know, and that's not to take away from any of the others. It's just Hank's the one that I typically make the strongest effort to try to make sure I don't miss. Uh, and Ubellis, of course, is the host of Southern Sense uh, Talk Radio. Uh, one of the best talk radio shows out there, period, bar none. Uh, Don Smith is one of the uh, most polished and professional of the uh, radio talk show hosts that you will come across. <clears throat> A lot of great folks out there. So, uh, again, I'm telling you to, to go visit these people. And while you're at it, uh, check out PatriotMusic.com. That's where you'll find Matt Fitzgibbons, a great historian and a fantastic musician. Go see what he's got going on. And if you decide to, to purchase anything uh, from him, uh, please let him know that I sent you. It's not going to get you a discount or anything. i just like him to know I'm still sending people his way. Uh, so with that having been said, uh, we've got one more story that I really want to get into today. Because uh, this I didn't straight up uh, predict that this would happen, but... It predict something similar. See, right now, well, let's just look at the article and then I will come back. The headline here reads that lawyer for Epstein victims, Maxwell's potential mistrial, a gut punch. Yeah, in case you haven't heard, there's a good chance that uh, Galen Maxwell may end up getting a new trial. See, a lawyer representing several of the women allegedly victimized by billionaire and convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein said that it was a gut punch 
that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell could receive a new trial after it was revealed that one of the jurors may have withheld his past sexual abuse and used it to sway the jury. Uh, quoting here, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell may get a new trial. Really? Now, this is from attorney Lisa Bloom, who represents eight women who were alleged, <clears throat> we're having to use the proper terminology, who were alleged victims of sexual abuse by Epstein. Now, this was written on a Twitter thread, because naturally that's where all media is processed now, which is why I stay away from it. <laughs> and this thread was reacting to the news, uh, quote again, because another human was sexually abused. This is just awful. Juror Scotty David has given interviews. He says he revealed his sexual abuse history during deliberations. Fine. That's allowed. But, like all those in the jury pool, he filled out a questionnaire before trial. One question was whether he was a sexual abuse victim, and if so, to describe what happened without names. That document is not public, but both sides are indicating he was not truthful. Again, we don't know. Now, this is all still quoting from the attorney, Ms. Bloom. So, I am one for law and order. I support our legal system, even though clearly it's far from perfect. Clearly, it goes further to protect the guilty than victims. But the idea is that you must be considered innocent until it's proven that you're guilty. And the reason for that idea is because otherwise it is way too easy for somebody to, to simply point a finger and make an accusation. It's way too easy for you to be that adolescent girl uh, standing up in the church pointing at uh, the, uh, the help and screaming she's a witch and then falling and down and flopping and, and rolling your eyes around and suddenly people are being hung and uh, burned and, and uh, trials where you're attached to a big stone and thrown in a river. Uh, these things are happening. We don't want that to be the justice system. So I'm a champion of the justice system. I am pro the way the system is set up and like it when it works the way it's supposed to. I do suspect it should be up to the state to have a preponderance of the evidence. But there are times where I'm not very happy with the results. Now, there are times where clearly the results that I'm not happy with is because the system didn't work like it's supposed to. The jurors didn't just make their determination based on the evidence that was presented. And that kind of sounds like it could be the case here. This individual was moved by their personal experience. Now, does that mean that they were wrong? No, not necessarily, but here's the problem. They essentially lied in the questionnaire. They didn't tell the truth because they were afraid it would disqualify them from sitting on the jury. They planned from the very beginning to get justice for these young girls. They had made up their mind about Miss Maxwell's guilt 
before going in. Now, I have to tell you, so had I. But I wasn't sitting on that jury. I've told you, I've heard from very credible sources that uh, despite the best efforts of some folks to say that she was little more than a glorified uh, uh, pickup assistant, that she's actually was the, the dirtier of the two. That uh, she was a handler for Epstein, that she helped Epstein set up all these things. And like I said, it's a very credible person. They have not given me permission to share their name, so I can't go into it. But this is somebody who has access to that world and who's confided in me and said, yeah, you can tell folks this, just whatever you do, don't tell them my name. This, this much should be public. This part can't be. So I tend to believe that not only is she guilty of the things that she was convicted of, but of a lot more. So it is indeed a gut punch that this situation has arisen, but is it the right thing? I'm afraid we have to say yes just because the guy shouldn't have lied. The guy should have told the truth. There was no guarantee that he wouldn't have still had his opportunity. But he didn't go into the role of juror with the intention of listening to the case and voting in the deliberations in accordance to the evidence that was presented. He'd already made up his mind. He was determined. Not only was he determined, but he was also determined that he was going to make other people see it from his point of view because he was a victim. First of all, I hate that for him. I I do. I think we should be sympathetic, I suppose, is the word I'm looking for, but somehow that feels not quite accurate. Empathy may be better. We should show some empathy for somebody who had to deal with something like that. But the the qualifier is so important. And now you were so determined to go get justice for these girls and and to convince all these people. And now you're the reason she's going to get off. And that's if you're not buying into the conspiracy theories that once again are out there that this guy was a plant from the beginning, or this guy's been bought off to go out here and say these things, that this was part of the plan to make sure that she would get another trial, and that that would go on for a long time, and eventually this is all just going to dry up and blow away. Eventually, interest in Miss Maxwell will come to an end. There is surprisingly little coverage of the events already. Surprisingly little effort to talk about this case in the news. Is this right? No. But it's clearly an effort because they were trying to protect their own, trying to protect their fellow globalists, leftists, elitists, trying to protect everybody on the list, everybody that was on the manifest, taking the Lola Express. Everybody, of course, except for Donald Trump. It was okay to talk about the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. Perfectly okay to mention a million times that his name showed up there. Not so fast to mention Bill Clinton. 
or literally the hundreds, if not thousands of other people, many of whom you would know, many of them either politicians or celebrities. No, we don't want to talk about that because the more we bring to light the events that happen here, the more we have to acknowledge that there was a large segment of our elitist group who are still clearly better than the rest of you peasants out there uh, that have certain proclivities that you would frown upon. And so in order for us to manipulate you, we can't let you know what our proclivities are. We can't let you know that we like children. We can't let you know that we like controlling people. And most often, most often, if if you groom them properly, it's so much easier to control children than full-grown adults. See, as an adult, you've had time to form your opinions and to understand a few things about how life works and also to understand that, guess what? No matter how rich, no matter how famous, no matter how politically connected somebody is, they're still putting their pants on one freaking leg at a time. Unless you're Chuck Norris, in which case the pants get up on their own because they do not want to have to be told, and he does a spinning double flip kick into them uh, at the same time. That's Chuck Norris. The rest of us are not Chuck Norris. Clearly that's a joke for those of you that didn't get it. I know the folks on the left have no sense of humor, so. So is it right that she'll get a new trial? Well, here's the thing. Will the new trial fix the problems from the first one? Problems like files being sealed after the fact? Names being left off of the public record that should be made public because here's the worst part. She was found guilty of trafficking children. And yet nobody's taking step one towards charging those who took possession of those goods. Nobody's moving forward with charging anybody that she trafficked these children to. Well, she was trafficking them to Jeffrey Epstein, Tim. That, that's, that's old news, and you can't do anything there now because, well, you know, he killed himself. Except, did he really? I mean, I, I'm full on in the conspiracy corner right now. It might as well just be that segment. Because I'm still not convinced. I mean, why do you drop the charges on these two guards literally the day after Miss Maxwell's convicted? Why do you suddenly have this guy who knows it was a violation, who should have been, if he was really, really wanting Miss Maxwell to face these charges, to face some level of justice that comes from it, then he would have kept his mouth shut. He would have been going to give an interview. He's like, yes, yes, I was a victim, so I, I had to be, that's, See, somebody who was trying to be a hero, somebody who was trying to see justice was done for these young girls, would have kept their mouth shut. They would have never done this because they know, they have to know, they lied on the questionnaire. By lying on the questionnaire, you have disqualified yourself from being on the jury. So the chances are really, really good of a new trial, except will that trial ever actually happen? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I told you before, this felt an awful lot like an attempt to cover up as much of this stuff as they could. So there was 
legitimate grounds for people to be asking the questions. There's legitimate grounds for somebody to be putting on one of those little tinfoil hats that look so fashionable and saying, hey, what about this? Does this seem right? Does this seem normal? Does this seem like we where we ought to be in this case? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, no, this doesn't feel like the right thing at all. This feels almost staged at this point. It feels almost intentional. So if somebody comes out and says, clearly this was a setup, I'm not necessarily going to agree that clearly it was a setup, but I am going to say I can see why you would think that. That's a reasonable assumption to make. Now, the problem is it's still an assumption, but it's a reasonable assumption to make at this point in the game because, again, it doesn't make sense to lie about it up front if you want to make sure you get a chance to do this and then come out and tell the truth after the fact, knowing that this is what's going to happen. And I'm sorry, I don't believe that anybody this day and age doesn't know that you're opening the door for a mistrial to be declared as soon as you go public with this. Not that you were a victim, but that you lied. I'm quite certain the prosecution would have loved to have had multiple sexual assault victims sitting on the jury. I'm sure they would have fought to keep at least a couple of them around. You might have been one of the folks that had you told the truth that would have got to do this. And then coming out and giving these interviews would have changed nothing. So I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that the guy didn't know. I'm not buying that this wasn't something out of the norm. Now, as far as what it actually is, I'm not prepared to say this, that, or the other because I just I don't know. I, I still think that there's a lot of different things at play, and I need to talk to my friend who is a reliable source, who's got connections in that shadowy world of intelligence and counterintelligence because kind of feels to me like something that those type of folks would do. Protecting her while apparently holding her accountable. So what's it going to take? They were never going to let her actually see the inside of a jail cell if they could avoid it. Not seriously. I mean, while they were holding her, sure, but she wasn't going to go to prison. I feel pretty confident in that now because clearly this is what's happening, right? What's the result going to be? I, I don't know. I can't tell you. But I do think that, once again, there is something going on. And it still feels like some powerful people behind the scenes are pulling the strings. So, you know, uh, welcome to the conspiracy corner, if you agree. And if you don't... Forgive me as I take a little scenic trip down that conspiracy corner. That's going to have to be it for today, folks. Thank you so very much for being here. And if you've made it to the end, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you double as much. As you sit here through two hours of me babbling on, I appreciate it greatly. Uh, remember to visit tapintothetruth.com. Uh, whenever you get the chance, that's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. Uh, and if you're listening to the radio, please uh, visit a little later uh, so you can hit the banners to check out the fine folks from Fine Tuxedos or the uh, fine folks with blue coolers. I think I 
forgot to even mention the Blue Coolers bet, but I, there will be a link to Blue Coolers in the show description as well. But uh, if uh, you don't have the show description in front of you, just visit and hit one of the banners. Uh, it'll take you there. Remember, Blue Coolers, uh, great, great product. Just go uh, visit, copy in this entirety the link, uh, paste it into your web browser, and go visit. Uh, using that link is how they'll know that I sent you. In the meanwhile, uh, you know, don't take my word for it. I don't. I, I dare you. Uh, just don't take their word for it either. Uh, go ahead. Put in a little effort. And most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, stay safe out there. It's going to be harder than ever. Uh, stay healthy if you can. And remember, Omicron's everywhere. And, uh, you know, be smart, even if that goes against your nature. I'm out. in both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Malamine, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family
is using both hands. Mm-hmm. 